Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the 8th and ninth episode from Season 2 of Castle Rock titled Dirty and Caveat Emptor. Covering two episodes this week. We are busy bees. Mm, yes, we are. We're busy beavers. Busy beavers. Um, well, you know, Dirty was only like 30-something minutes, so that makes it a little hard. Difficult, right? So yeah. Well, and I was doing the the math on the days of releasing too. So we'll the the finale just came out, and mm-hmm. so we'll be releasing that next week, which will be the week before Christmas. So that kind of worked out pretty well, actually. Yeah, it kind of works out, and and it works out doing two this week also, not just because how short uh, the episode dirty was, but also just to help get us caught up just a little bit um, because we have been just a little bit behind. So it helps us get kind of um, caught back up. And I think there was a really good flow between the two episodes. So it makes it really easy to talk about both of them. And with that being said, I'm really excited to talk about these two episodes. There was a lot of stuff that happened. Um, a lot of questions, obviously, but a lot of stuff that happened. So let's go ahead and jump into our top five. Sean, why don't you get us started this week? So my number five, it's kind of an overall for the whole series so far, but it's really done a great job of crossing genres. Uh, like this episode, the, the, the ninth episode, and we're a little bit in the eighth, I guess, too, reminded me a lot of the, sh- the story that Stephen King wrote, The Cell, where yeah. it's essentially his zombie story where everybody you know that's on a cell phone at a specific time turns into a zombie kind of thing. And you Gosh, see that Everybody here. right about now. Yeah, <laughs> especially if it's just looking at your phone. Um, but you kind of have a zombie genre. You've got a body snatching genre, genre. But even earlier and stuff in here, you've got the you know a thriller. You've got kind of a mysticism, and they've done a really good job of kind of weaving these all together. Um, there's a TV show called uh, American Horror Stories. Yeah, I've only seen part of one season, but it kind of did the same thing, and that was mm-hmm. the Asylum one, I think. Well, they kind of took a bunch of genres and mishmashed them together to. You know, and it's kind of, and this season's really done this with Castle Rock, where you're watching it and you're kind of like, okay, like, how are all these things going to mingle together into, like, the right, you know, cake? Because it's just like baking. You know, I'm not a great baker uh, because you have to follow the instructions to a T because it's chemistry at its best. If you don't, it... Your cake doesn't do something. That's uh, right. I can cook like no other because that's kind of more like, you know, just throw this together, throw this together. Okay, yeah. is that good? Is that good? Uh, You're a good improviser, so that's good for you. Yeah, you yeah. kind of toss those things around. Uh, but, you know, with this kind of stuff, it is definitely baking. And if you do a little bit too much here or mix, you know, caught, you know the timing isn't quite right here, you, you, you don't really get a cake. You get more of a gloppy, gross mess. And <laughs> <laughs> Up to this point, they've done a pretty good job with it. Uh, I, I like that it's – I feel like the, the, the pacing of this, this season has been really good. Uh, there's been enough kind of, um, you know, tail ends to the episodes that kind of keep you, you know, interested. And uh, I just – and I really like that they've done a good job with these genres as well, especially like the, the cell zombie-esque <clears throat> part of that. Because I feel like that can be – you know, I think we're all still a little – Walking Dead burnt out, mm-hmm. and you have to be careful not to teeter on that too much. Uh, but I don't think they did. I think they made it all make a lot of sense, and it worked pretty well in these two episodes. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that they're doing a good mishmash of 
different genres. And, you know, it has really spooky, scary elements. It has some good psychological elements. Um, it's got some good, like, family, you know, kind of drama mixed in with it, too. Um, and then just really good acting, um, because Lizzie Kaplan is still amazing as Annie Wilkes. I think she just gets more and more amazing every week. And then Tim Robbins. I can never speak highly enough of how much um, I regard his work and uh, just really love pretty much everything that he does. So I think he's doing a really great job. Um, and I think Caveat Emptor was definitely his shining um, episode oh, so far. Sure, yeah. I, I don't know what, what is going to happen yet in the finale. Um, so maybe that will also uh, be some great work from him or, well, I don't know. I'm guessing because clearly he, he was shot at, at the end, but I have a feeling that's not the, like the end that we're going to see him. So I don't know anything, yeah. but it's my speculation um, purely. Um, well, I think if you look at the Paul Sparks, the guy who's playing Ace, you know, mm -hmm. through the first few episodes, I feel like he didn't really have much range. It seemed like the, it was very kind of, yeah. you know, he was this you know, jerky douchebag guy for a little bit. And then he's, you know, kind of this you know, mysterious, very light worded kind of person. But in this episode eight, you know, he's playing this kind of, you know, maniacal, you know, just a very interesting character. And you can kind of see he's kind mm -hmm. of been, and I think that's, you know, somebody who can act and do something like that, I think is impressive. But when you can play multiple parts and, and really nail it, it's got to be challenging because so you get yourself set up for a role like, okay, this is how I'm playing this character. You got to do that twice. And even in his instance, it's almost like three times, you know, the, the amount of work there. But um, I yeah. thought he's done really well in these last two episodes too. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think there was a whole lot given to him when he was still uh, playing Ace. But now that he's, you know, we, we saw him as Ace and now we're seeing him as um Augustan, um, throw in a French accent that is, I'm, I know, absolutely horrible. Sorry. Um, but yeah, he definitely plays a different way. So that's, that, that had to be fun for him as an actor to kind of get, you know, some juices flowing. Um, and the actor, I have, it's terrible to me. I don't know the actor's name that plays Chris, but he was, uh, in, in episode, uh, seven, uh, or sorry, eight, was it eight? Shit. I forgot the numbers. Seven and eight is what we're doing, right? Um, but in Dirty, when he was kind of flipping back and forth between being Chris and uh, I don't know his what, what what his character's name was um, for the the person that took him over or that was possessing him. Um, but you know, you could see him switching back and forth when um, he was on the Hal doll when Nadia um, was injecting him and going back and forth. Um, that had to be kind of fun and interesting for him too. Probably challenging, but probably in a good way, good challenging way that actors like. So yeah, some really good stuff, really good acting. Um, the actress that plays Joy, she does a really good job as well. So <clears throat> it's a really good number five. Do you have anything else you want to say? Nope. That'll be, uh, that's pretty much it for my number five. So what do you have for yours? Well, my number five, I just, a lot of mine are going to be short and sweet. Cause I feel like I'm just going to talk about the episode in general and probably just talk and, and add on to what you have to say. So my points are just pretty short and sweet, but I figure we're going to elaborate on them just a little bit. And my number five is how Ace or Augustan has switched his sights to Joy 
as this vessel for Amity uh, when it comes time for them to, I'm guessing there's going to be some type of ceremony. There has, it has to be right on this certain date time. They're waiting for this 400th anniversary of all of this to happen. It's like the stars have to align just right. Everything's got to be in its perfect phase. Um, and, and like, cause it's like, well, why don't they just do it already? Um, I know that first they had to get Annie or when they thought it was um, Annie, um, you know, she was out running around and said, but it's like, just do it already. Uh, why are you waiting? Um, but now th- he's reading all of these signs that he thought were pointing to Annie. And now based on the the skills that Joy has as an artist, which we've seen from the beginning, right? I don't think we, you know, I mean, it was just kind of a, a thing. You didn't really think too much of it. Okay, she likes to draw. Um, but based off of that, they feel that now she, um, it's like... Um, Oh, they're saying, oh, it's as if, you know, she was drawing with her own hand, you know, these um, pictures. Um, So now they're switching their sights on her, which I don't know how far we're going to get. We only have one episode, but it creeps me out just a little bit. If if there were because there was a lot of sex scenes between Amity and Augustine in the in the previous episodes. And I'm just like, are Tell me we're not going to go there. Joy I, is a, a minor. Yeah, so. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> but it's still kind of creepy because he's, the way w- when he f- kind of made that flip um, and realized, he, you know, he kind of was looking at Joy like she was going to be um, the vessel for Amity and and how he was treating her. And, you know, is there anything that we can get for you? You know, if you want some art supplies, new clothes, you know, whatever we can get for you, favorite food. Um, you know, just let us know. Um, and I, I guess it wasn't too creepy, but it was for me, it was a little borderline creepy just thinking, oh, she, she's just a little girl. Um, so it was just a little bit weird, but I think that's really interesting. And I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think about how it's went from Annie to, to Joy and what you think might happen. Uh, I feel like I'm kind of, I, I don't know if there's really a good explanation for why that happened. I know the police officer was kind of saying, you know, when he thought, when he was talking, well, when Ace was talking about it was Annie, the mm-hmm. police officer kind of said, you know, I think you're looking in the wrong place and kind of changed it on him. Um, so I don't know if that was maybe Ace's, maybe he had a little bit more urges towards Annie and that's what was kind of pushing uh, a Gaston a little bit. <laughs> um, and then, you know, kind of seems like, well, no, Joy is more probably what, you know, she would want, you know, she's, she draws, she does all these things. It's probably more the the person that's a better fit. So mm-hmm. um, I wish that they kind of explained that a little bit more. Uh, Cause it does kind of seem like, you know, very much like grade school relationship kind of thing. It's like, Oh, I really like this girl. Well, this girl likes you. Oh, okay. Well now I like her. Uh, yeah. So very much kind of flip flopping a little too quick for my taste, but yeah, well, he's just reading the signs, right? Yeah. Reading the signs. You know, and I guess she's more um, pure, um, I guess just pure in general, but also clear-headed. She's not on any type of medications or drugs like they know Annie is because they know that they're, they, you know, I don't know if, if, if there's something different that they're going to do in that process or if there's something that they need to do. Like, I know that they were switching her meds out so that way she wasn't taking those same medications. And that's probably what caused a lot of her delusions that she was having um, of her of her dead mother um, who, who drove off into the lake. Um, so I feel like they were trying to kind of clear her head, you know, so the transformation could take place. But, you know, Joy doesn't take any medication. She's young. She's pure. She's seen all these things, you know, seem to point to her. Um, and, and she seems, I guess, like a more viable 
um, solution. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what'll happen and if it, if if that transformation will actually take place. We know that Joy ended up hearing the schisma mm. that everyone oh, else yeah. heard. That noise uh, that everyone else has heard. She heard it when she was in the lake. Um, so many episodes ago when, when her and Chance and the other two were in the boat and they lost the oar and she jumped into the water and she's like, there's a funny noise. It was the same noise. Um, we come to know it from season one, if you guys have watched season one at all. Um, so everybody is, is hearing this and it's, it's kind of like this Pied Piper effect um, to the whole town, or at least to the people that can hear it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, um, she's definitely under their spell now and it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. So anyway, that's my number five is um, now all, all eyes are on joy. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I I am one for uh, homages and whatnot, and this isn't a Stephen King homage, but I'm curious when they were trying to root out who the imposter was, if you got a feeling of a reference towards one of our favorite movies we've talked about, The Thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't quite, quite the same because they had them all lined up together, but uh, it definitely was interesting that Pop was able to identify that uh, the the guy who was the plant – Mm-hmm. Didn't have his earrings in, and he was all. I think he mentioned that he was all healed up. Yep. Uh, which kind of I think, you know, is a little bit of a tidbit or kind of a little nugget for him to think like, oh, okay, like if you get whatever process they go through to recreate you in this, you know, weird four hundred year old vessel, all of your aches and pains and any kind of injury you've sustained go away. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, you know, this is a guy who's right on the brink of death. So cancer is eating away at him. And I feel like that's probably a little bit of a nugget he kind of stowed away in the plan that he has, whatever that plan is. Um, but I, I did like that they kind of had a little bit of a thing feel there, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. That, oh gosh, you know, I didn't even think of that. And that's really good. It was a little bit different um, here, of course, but, you know, trying to figure out who that uh, like mole um, is or, or that person that's infiltrated the, you know, the group and who who's sinister and um, has, you know, going to do bad. Um, yeah, gosh, that was a good scene. Now I want to go back and watch the thing because I didn't get to watch that for Halloween like I normally do. Um but yeah, that was really interesting. I don't know that I understood what that method was, though. Whenever um, Pop said, uh, "Go," what, he called it what army, army something, um, and I'd never heard of that. I should probably should have googled it. Um, but um, Nadia and and Abdi seemed to know, like, okay, yeah, and even Chance was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, wait a minute, what what's that? What, can we can we get it? Can I get a, a, a just a quick course on that? What is it? What are we doing? Um, but anyway, yeah, that was really interesting that he was able to point him out because of his his earring. Um, now I want to go back and and just see that for myself because I think um, he was in one of those scenes where Pop was getting his uh, chemo at his house. Um, really good scenes. Yeah. Oh, Pop. I, I thought it was really. I mean, it kind of shows like his attention to detail too. So I'm, you know, he was the first one to really see like something was wrong with Ace. He was the first one to mm-hmm. know that like Annie probably did something to Ace. Um, so it was, it was really kind of cool to see kind of pop in his Batman esque, you know, investigative yeah. way, but yeah, that was really good. Gosh, he was so good this episode. I just, I loved him Robbins and he should get, the dude should get an Emmy alone just for his accent. 
during this uh, series. Mm, he, oh, agreed. He, I just I love his New England accent that he's got. He's he's really nailed it. And I just I don't know it it, it does something to me when I listen to it. I don't know. I just like um, gives me a buzz. Well, speaking of pop, um, you know, once they get out of the cars and rush into his um, emporium. They get inside, and he's got shutters on his windows, oh, which yeah. I'm like, that was awesome. Who, who does that? Um, but I loved it. At first, it was kind of like really, but then I was like, no, wait a minute, this totally makes sense for someone like like Pop. Um, he seems to be just waiting for something like this to happen, um, and he's got these homemade bombs, like made out of pressure cookers, um, which totally makes me just glad that I don't have a pressure cooker. Like I won't even own an instant pot. They, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a pressure cooker. And I swear from like the age of five, um, my grandmother made me absolutely scared of pressure cookers because she used to can and oh, yeah. she'd have those giant pressure cookers on the stove every summer. Um, after we would, after she'd garden and she would be canning something and she didn't even want me walking. Like if you were going to go to the bedrooms or to the bathroom, you had to walk through the kitchen and you had to walk past the stove. Um, she was like, I was like, grandma, I've got to go to the bathroom and she's like will you hurry up and run past that stove i've got the pressure cooker on <laughs> she didn't want me anywhere near thinking yeah, that it well, was that was always the thing that, like people talked fun. about like that stuff happening so it did happen but anyway i see all those pressure cookers and i'm like oh now see you're making bombs out of them that's that's <laughs> like the perfect thing so pop definitely reminded me of a little bit of a prepper um this um, this episode where he, he's got the weapons, he's got some homemade bombs ready to go, just got to wire them babies up. Um, he's got shutters on his windows. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I really like seeing him go through the whole episode with his mytholo- mythology and sorry, that's not the word I meant, methodology. Methodology. I've had some wine, guys. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But it was really cool to see him go through the episode, and he's out. He's negotiating with Ace. Um, he's dealing with Nadia and Abdi. Um, he's dealing with Annie, who seems to be going just a little bit more off a rocker, um, a little bit um, when she goes and and kills Jamal in that ep- in, in that one episode. Um, so he's got a lot going on. He's got a lot of lot of balls in the air, and then in the meantime, he comes up with this plan, and we don't know what it is, but he's. He's planning on, I think, coming back, right? He used the Haldol, shot himself up with some Haldol, got a suicide vest. Seems like he was going to use it and then changed his mind, right? Because he had the batteries and it looked like he was ready to go. But then he took the batteries out. So why do you think that he did that? I was trying to... It's probably right in front of my face, and I'm just not getting it. It's not clicking with me, but I'm curious as to why you think that he did that. Do you think that he took the batteries out and just had to make Ace think that he was prepared to do it, or just to make sure that Ace was the one that was going to kill him because Ace wants to preserve him. He wants to take him and um, you know soak him in that slimy goo and have him come back so he can get that information from Pop, what are your thoughts on that? I, I kind of think that and this actually is my number one is Pop's Endgame. Oh, sorry. And, no, you're good. Um, I kind of feel that because he, he very deliberately was going to blow himself up, you know, between the conversation between him and Ace and the conversation with him and the imposter, something triggered in him that we don't know of why he thinks that 
this is th- th- he's got some plan and i think he needed to verify that ace was actually scared to be blown up cuz i think that's what he was trying to prove because oh, if he was able to mm-hmm. you know go through that thing and <clears throat> if ace had no fear when he went to push the button then he knew oh, okay then there's there, there's something else that happens Mm-hmm. But there was that fear there. There was that like, oh my gosh, you do this and I'm actually dead dead. And so I think that was just helping Pop kind of solidify what he wants because then he just sits down at the table with a, you know, he has a pistol. He can d- defend himself. Mm-hmm. And, or, and he, I'm sure he had a backup plan that would trigger that vest too. I just don't see him as a kind of guy that has a a one way to have the vest explode. So it it feels like it's all part of a bigger plan of his that I don't I I can't tell you what it is because I don't even know yet. I think you have to see this new episode to really or the next episode to really figure that out. I know I can't wait. Um, really excited to go watch it um, and find out what exactly is happening and find out what that plan is because I think he very much plans on coming back. And but but what is he going to do when he comes back? Is he somehow going to? find a, a a way I mean clearly he took the hell doll so he he's counting on the hell doll keeping him from turning completely I think he's got some extra hell doll for whenever he does come back and he's halfway cognizant of himself he well, it's, will it's shoot a, himself back again it's a way to make himself kind of immortal there too if he keeps taking yeah. that stuff he can suppress the you know the thing trying to take over his body yeah and it will heal him he'll he'll heal his cancer so that would you know, so I don't know. It just, I'm not quite sure, you know, how, how far I can go in, 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 you know, making sense. And I guess I just have to see it work out, um, and see for myself, but I'm just trying to figure out what that, what that means and if it will make sense. Um, but that's think, my number four. Yeah. I think that will, it's going to go to something with his end game of, I, like I said, I think he's trying to figure out a way for him to keep being alive essentially. Mm-hmm. And doing this will make himself immortal, essentially, and almost like a real life vampire too. You know, except of feeding off mm-hmm. blood, he's got to feed off this drug thing. Yeah. Um, so for survival, it, yeah. It's yeah, like I said, like a lot of times you get to this point in some shows that we've seen, you're like, oh, okay, let's get this over with. But <laughs> you know, it's still one of those that's keeping me on my toes. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know. I'm really excited. Uh, my number three uh, is really just this this train that they're doing. So they had this game back in the day where they would try to get across these train tracks and it would Mm -hmm. cut them off from the city for 30 minutes. And that was their goal here, which I, I kind of like the idea because there is a lot of train, you know, metaphors and train imagery and a lot of Stephen King stuff, but stand by me. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) Um, But I feel like this was a really tight window and a very, you need a lot of luck for this to happen just right. Because even if you had it timed and you got there, you know, if you're just a, a second too late or a second too early, this plan doesn't work. You know, for you to get across this train tracks in time for the other group to get stuck, it just seemed a little challenging to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and plus it's, um, you know, now that you're on the other side, I know that it, it's going to buy them 30 minutes to figure out what to do, but it still seems like a little bit of a challenge to me. Uh, it's it's something I would have never thought of as being a an option. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of curious what you think about that. I was I'm not completely sold on it. Uh, I think it's interesting, but I don't really know how how I feel about it. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure, honestly, where my feelings were landing on it either. I did have a little bit of a problem as to how it was introduced when Nadia walks up to Abdi and she gives him that piece of paper and she's like, um, remember the game we played as kids? We didn't know what game they were talking about. They kind of did a, a quick little flash. Um, it looked like of them as kids, you know, climbing that little hill up to the train tracks. But I thought it was going to be something different. I thought it was going to be something that maybe they did um, when they were in Somalia um, or something that we had already seen when when we were introduced to them in the flashback. Um, so I just thought it was kind of hard to buy. I would have liked it had they introduced it and, and they mentioned it in one like the first couple episodes. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, wouldn't that be nice if they had a, a little bit of a tie back we would have maybe heard about, you know, because we already knew there was friction with Nadia and Ace and Obdi and Ace. And, you know, if, if they'd somehow worked that into the conversation somewhere, um, when when those two are talking that, you know, oh, remember like the game that we played, you know, when we were kids, we jumped the cha- train tracks to get away from Ace. Um, you know, just something I feel like to kind of plant that seed a little bit. It seemed a little hard um, to buy into this a little. Um, and I don't know. I was trying to think, well, what else would you do? Practically every other single person in town, there's just a handful of them, it seems, that didn't hear this noise. Um, and, and that has turned everyone into these, uh, well, like you said, like zombies um, and, and completely under their uh, spell. Um, what else would you do? They, they're they're, they're, uh, they're weaponized. They have vehicles to run you down, to capture you. And they're straight up going to kill you. I mean, that's like their goal is they're they're going to kill you. Um, I don't know if it's they're going to kill you and then go soak you in the slime um, and, and get you to, to turn over that way. If they're just going to outright kill you, I'm not sure. Um, but they seem pretty dead set on it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what other options there would be. It didn't seem like there were very many good places to hide. I guess this was as good as any. I just wish it had been maybe introduced a little bit differently and that maybe they had planted that seed, you know, uh, several episodes before it would have made more sense to me. But even then, like that game, like if they really did play that game on a pretty consistent basis, I'm sure we would have learned that they had three siblings and only one of them made it. I was waiting for someone to yeah. trade. If it was me, I was like, if that's the plan, y'all are gonna have to catch me because I'm gonna trip on those tracks oh, and yeah. I'm losing my legs. That's and I I'm, I'm, uh, don't mean that in a in a heartless way. I know there have been people who have been seriously injured in train accidents, but um, I, I I just it's not a good idea. That scares the shit out of me. Anytime people would talk about you know going and playing on any train tracks, it's like, dude, that's you know I'm all about whenever I was young, all about being a daredevil, all about being fun and joining in the fun stuff but that was something that I was never into playing on train tracks because that's just no I'm clumsy I'll trip I'll fall something will happen um, even if a train's not coming I'll fall and crack my head on the damn track <laughs> it's just not a good idea so I don't know it just I don't know it seemed like quite a, um, a, a delicate thing to plan out the timing of this getting out of the building when you've got all of these people chasing you gunning you down You've got to get out um, and time it just right to get up to those tracks. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, and even now you think about it. So they, they're away from everybody. Pop stayed behind. But now, okay, they have 30 minutes. They're cut off. They're going to do whatever they need to do. But their end goal is still to go back to the Marston house, I would guess. Like that's the next thing you have to do. Well, we so, know definitely know that's where Annie's going to go yeah, yeah. Um, to try to get to Joy, and that's kind of where they have to go because that's where it's all happening, I guess. So, but yeah, just, that's my number three is just the train in this. I feel like it's kind of just a plot point 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, we got this thing somebody came up with. Um, but I, I I think you've kind of convinced me. I don't know if I like it, but um, <laughs> it doesn't make me hate the show or anything. It's just kind of one of those things. No, it's one of those things. And it kind of really goes well with my number three. Um, and that's just a little something that I felt was kind of out of place too. And that's just kind of like the action in general in, in this episode. I The shootout in the basement was a little hard to follow for me. Yeah, I get that too. You know, yeah. it, it was kind of hard to see. Uh, there was this plastic everywhere. Like, what the hell was Pops doing in that basement? Was he having like a year-round ha- yeah, uh, haunted you, house or something? I it mean, It felt like somebody <laughs> in a Freddy Krueger nightmare. Like, you're in a basement, like it should just be a basement with weird stuff, but then all of a sudden, like, it's a, you know a weird like construction site where they're re yeah. you know redoing the basement. You're like I was Whoa. I was really confused because I feel like we got to see this like the I thought was the basement. There there they went down some steps. I don't know if it was like a cellar or a basement. Um and that's where all those really long rows of shelves were and where the generator was. And I believe Annie and, and Chance and um uh, or the uh, the lady I can't think of her name. The other lady that was with with the group um, were were kind of hanging out, and it was you know looked like a basement. It you know just had lots of stuff and storage and and things like that. But then we got down to like this other basement where they're you know finally running away, and all this plastic is hanging, and you know these weird hallways and. Um, you had uh, the the people chasing them, and it was just it was hard to see. I feel like it was really easy for Annie and all of them to kill them. These yeah. people did not know how to shoot very well. It was very Maybe Walking it's just, Dead. Everybody who has never yes. shot a gun is all of a sudden getting headshots. Yeah, like Annie's, you know, getting people right in the head. I mean, I not that I don't think she can do well with a weapon, but she seems more fitting for like a hammer or a sledgehammer, you know, or the knives and stuff that she had versus um, a gun. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she learned how to shoot somewhere um, in, in, in all of her years of running, but the action just felt just a little bit out of place. It kind of took it took me out of it just a little bit. It was just like I said, kind of hard to follow. Didn't really understand where everyone was and 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 what was happening um, there for a little bit from the time they went in there until they got out to the train. I didn't quite understand um, what was happening there for a little bit. But it's a small thing. Again, it doesn't make me hate it or anything. But you know, the show can't be perfect. And um, and for me, this this kind of stood out is I wish they had kind of done a little bit more. Um, and maybe it's because again, you know, Castle Rock isn't really a show I feel known for action. You know, it's yeah. not known for its gunfights and car chases and these, you know, big shootouts and things like that. It's more, it's character driven. It's all about the stories and the people and the characters and the drama. And that's, I think where it does well. And especially this season where it does, you know, well with that, you know, we get to know these characters and, you know, we get invested in them. Um, so you know, when they try to do something a little bit different than that and try to throw some action into it, it's kind of like, uh, don't think it fits very well. At least it didn't for me. Um, so anyway, just a small point, but just something that I thought was, um, I just had to mention. So that was my number three. I like it. Uh, my number two, I kind of think we should talk a little bit about the killer Annie. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> we get like a John Wick esque, you know, assassin's creed, um, the Hitman for other video games. Annie, you know, not only she's in she's in the Marston house and she's going room to room to find Joy and saves yeah. her, uh, but when the events happen where Joy gets kind of taken away, 
you know, she sneaks back into the uh, the Emporium, and they're like, well, how'd you get here? And she's like, I killed some people. And then, like, how'd they, or I found some people, and then I found more people and killed them, whatever. But it was just very much kind of like this no-holds-barred, you know, like, in the middle of a war-torn country kind of thing, going through and not having any remorse whatsoever. And, you know, and we really see that with the the guy they had tied down on the bed. Yes. When you, <laughs> he's kind of tied up like you see in the Misery movie. Yeah. She picks up that hammer, and I was expecting, I think, what everybody was expecting. It's like, oh, well, this yep. is where she learns it. Uh, but she takes it a step further and decides to go for the eyes with the uh, the two syringes. And uh, this show, I don't know if it's had a ton of very horrific-looking scenes, but that one, they definitely lingered on long enough to make your eyes hurt. Oh, yes. Yeah, that that was really great when she, you know, I killed some people. How'd you get here? I killed some more people. Yeah. You know, when she told Ace, and um, I love how she just let it all out with with him. And because this is actually um, my number two, so that, that really flows really well. Um, also, um when you know she just let it all she's like yeah i killed killed your your nephew um and she said cockadoodie i was so happy <laughs> i was i was like yes that's our annie wilkes um we got dirty bird cockadoodie uh, absolutely loved it but she she really put it out there she was fully honest and said yeah i killed him put him in the wrong place um and and gave ace that map which again leads me to believe going back to what we were talking about earlier about his end game that he's got to have some kind of plan right he got he got that map so anyway and he drew him that map um and the, i <sighs> i don't know how i feel about how she killed jamal i think i would have just liked it better had she just hobbled him like she did paul yeah, in misery cuz they felt, can feel pain so th- that would help you well, and it just felt that kill Annie's kill when she when she took out Jamal like that with the syringes. It just seemed out of place. When she's killed before, it was very purposeful. You know, she killed Ace because she was getting ready to be exposed. He was threatening her um and and basically going to be blackmailing her because he found out who she really was. Um I'm not saying it was okay or anything, <laughs> but in in her mind it was justified. Um and when she was killing the people at Marston House, you know, and she's taking all of them out, it was to get to Joy and rescue Joy, and and so that way they could get out and get to safety. So all of these things make sense, and I was totally okay with that. It made sense, and of course it makes sense to Annie because it's she. That's what makes her such an intriguing character. She truly believes she is doing the right thing. Um, but that part, I just, I'm not sure that I quite understood it, why she felt the need like she had to go ahead and kill Jamal. I feel like he didn't really, I know he was trying to kind of push her buttons a little bit with the things that he was saying, but I just feel like she, I don't know, I just, did, it didn't feel real for me that it, he pushed her enough um, for her to, to kill him like that. I, like I said, I would have preferred had she just started knocking him in the, in the ankles there and, um, you know, getting some answers out of him that way um, instead of just killing him. Cause it didn't serve any purpose um, for me. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I really, I was like, Oh my God, she's going to do it because we got to see um, when she was in Marsden house, there was uh, a sledgehammer. She killed one of the guys uh, when he yeah. came down the uh-huh. stairs with the sledgehammer. I'm like, Oh my God, here we go. Um, I- she had the butcher's knife 
and she had a butcher's knife in misery. She kind of threatened Paul with the butcher's knife. Um, and then we see the hammer and I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. Um, so I don't know. I would have preferred had she, she hobbled him a little bit or at least done one, maybe not as perfect as she did it in misery. Um, but, you know, kind of started that. Cause I feel like that wasn't her first time in misery when she did that. Um, she seemed to know exactly what she was doing and felt pretty comfortable with the process um, when she did it in misery. So I'm like, oh, my God, this is where she learns to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, our, our, our thoughts are definitely as one there. <clears throat> do you have anything else on uh, that? No, I think that tidies up that. Uh, and like we said, my number one was Pops Endgame. Uh, so what do you have Pop. for your number one? Questions. I have questions. Um I want to know, and maybe I'll find out in the finale. I don't know. Maybe we won't. Maybe they'll leave it in the air. But I want to know how the kid fits into all this. Um, is he there? Will they find him there yeah. in Castle Rock? You know, will are we going to see him again? You know, we saw him in the flashback, but are we going to see him like now today? We know that that was why Ace went after Pop was to get that information. Um you know, about where, which, I mean, he wasn't in the, if he's not in the freaking cell, where the hell could he be? I mean, what could he possibly be gleaning from the, uh, Warden Lacey's letters on how to find him? I mean, he's the one that kept him locked up. So if he's not locked up, how, how does he think that whatever pop knows from those letters, he's going to find out, um, which I really loved by the way, um, when we found out that pop, um, bought his trailer. He says, uh, when Peng Borden got butchered by his wife, I bought his trailer and everything inside it. Um, he said he had these letters from Warden Lacey and now they're both dead. Dale was kind of a town historian. He, um, he always used to say when, that he was in the remembering business when everyone else's stock and trade was forgetting. He also said the ones that first settled this place, the ones that died in that first bad winter and disappeared, poof, no bones even. Dale said he knew where they went. Nowhere. He said they never really left. I didn't know what he meant by that. Uh, and I didn't want to know. And now I know. I love that. It reminds me of, um, oh, is it shit? I can't remember. The, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm going to sound stupid because I can't remember the name, name of the town, but it's not Jamestown. There was the name of that old settlement uh, where was, the whole, where they the all just disappeared. disappeared. Yeah. yeah. And there's like no signs, no trace of them at all. I wonder if it's inspired just a little bit from that. God, I can't believe I can't remember Roanoke. that. Totally. Roanoke. Thank you. It was in a, it, that was actually an American horror story. Um, oh, cool. Season where they, it was American story. Um, Roanoke, which I was absolutely fascinated with and apparently not so fascinated because I freaking forgot the name of it, of that settlement. But yeah, it was at Roanoke where, you know, those settlers just, they just disappeared. They couldn't find, it's like they just up and vanished. And that's when, when he said that, I was like, oh, that's right. It kind of reminds me of like Roanoke. I don't know if that was kind of served a little bit of inspiration um, for that or not, or if it, if it really does um, go further into like Salem's Lot. Um, into that story or not, but I, I thought that was super fun. So curious about the kid. Will we see him? Where the hell's Henry Deaver? I mean, Henry. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's probably one of those uh, casting reasons we won't see him. <laughs> Maybe, but I mean, we, we saw, we left him in season one. He was taking care of the kid. It was like Christmas time. You know, he took him some food. He's been taking care of him down in the cell. He was down there talking to him. We know this timeline should be after those events because Shawshank was closed. 
Um, and we know that that's when he was keeping the kid there. It was abandoned, or not quite abandoned, but it was closed um, after the incident there and um, after they had moved the prisoners. Now it's back open. Prisoners are back. Where the hell is Henry Deaver? Will we see him again? Um, I don't know. I just have all of these questions that at this point don't have any answers. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think we'll see him again? I I feel like you have to. I mean, if they if they only showed him in that one scene and he isn't playing a bigger part, I feel like you're kind of not doing a disservice, but I don't think the story is really getting there. So I'd have to say that we're definitely going to see him again. I feel like he's kind of – I'm hoping that we – we get to a point too, where in this we see that he has been kind of manipulating everybody in this, and and mm-hmm. we do end up seeing something from Henry Deaver too, or at least a reference to Henry Deaver. But uh, yeah, this is like I said, this is one of those I'm really excited to see the next episode for sure. Me too. Yeah, I don't know, and I mean, I know Bill Skarsgård's like really busy, but I mean they're really close to Derry, and you know he's re- you know he's really close you know, from like filming it to just hop on over to Castle Rock and yeah, I mean, jump in and let's go, go, go play the kid one day and jump back over to Derry and hop in the sewers and lure some kids with balloons and <laughs> little toy boats. And <laughs> it's my still, attempt at humor. Unfortunately, I still have not seen it too yet. <gasps> what? Yeah. I need to see it at some point. I think you just need to watch it. Yeah, it's one of those that's kind of tough to find time in like the two hours where like a little kiddo won't run in and see the clown. Yeah, yeah, don't do that, Tim Sean. It will scar that poor kid for life. Oh yeah, I think it's like it's almost three. It's like three hours long, Sean. Just FYI, it's long. Yeah, so yeah, you need to find the time to do it, and it's okay though. You know what? It it really, and I'll just be honest. um, While it had some entertainment value, it was not as great as the first one. That's what I've been hearing. Yeah, but it was still worth it. I feel like you still have to kind of watch it. Um, there were some good things in it for sure, um, but I don't think it was as, as great. Um, do you have any notes? Uh, I think we kind of touched on pretty much everything I was thinking of. Um, I mean, Chris is really dead. We got that answer. We did. And then uh, my biggest note, too, is just creepy basement. Like, I don't know why... Uh, Anybody would go down there by themselves, but you know that's kind of mm-hmm. rule number one in a horror movie situation: is you don't go to the basement by yourself. Hell no. Well, I had a few notes. So I really liked the scene when Annie was at Marston House and that broken mirror where she's in the bathroom. Um, broken mirror breaks in front of her, and all that water comes gushing out. Seemed like a very Stephen King thing to happen, and I mm. really, really liked that. Thought that was a really good effect, and it just felt. Um, really great for the the current storyline. Um, we talked about some people hearing the sound of the schisma and others are not. Do you have any theory? And I don't, but do you have any theories or thoughts why some people are hearing it and why some are not? I don't. It's one of those answers that we don't have. It's just, it's interesting that some people are hearing it, but not everybody is. Yeah. And it's like, well, is it have something to do with the medication? Annie doesn't hear it and she's on medication. Pops, I don't know that he's on any type of um, uh, like drugs, uh, mind altering drugs like Annie's on, but he was on chemo. He's yeah. full up on chemo. Well, um, and the cancer itself poisons. could it be doing something? Maybe. Um, we don't really know or find out if uh, 
ugh, and I don't know her name, but the other character, um, that one woman was on anything. I don't know about Chance. I don't know if she was on anything. I know she smoked some pot, but is pot really considered like mind altering or something? I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I think it's just kind of curious. I feel like it kind of matters a little bit why some people can hear it and why some can't. Um, I mean, I don't know if we'll find out or not, but I feel like, you know, well, why? Well, and then Nadia and Abdi, why can't they hear it? So I don't know. Just curious. Um, cause I feel like there, there has to be a reason why everyone isn't captured by this schisma and under their control. Um, then it makes me, um, also curious about Nadia. So, do you think she was supposed to serve a purpose too? When in that episode, um, they're staring at that mural uh, that one lady and Chris are at Marsden House, and she's like, "Well, the you know the doctor's up to you now," and he goes after her, and then he tries to kill her. So was um, she meant to be a vessel for someone? Why? No, like, well, no, yeah, I kept thinking that they they were just going around and killing everybody. But yeah, that seems like that'd be the case. They'd want to kill her to bring her back. Wouldn't they? Right. But why, but it's like, they, they seem to single, single her out. Like, okay, she's up to you now. Um, if they're just going to go slaughter everyone that's left, they could just do that as a group, just go and start mowing people down and chasing people down. Like they were doing, um, you know, trying to kill people. So, but why her separately? Maybe that just kind of shows that like whatever your vessel is still has like feelings for people. So maybe Chris, the the spirit or whatever that was taking over his body kind of felt what he felt for her. And mm-hmm. so like he wanted to have her there as well kind of thing. Maybe. Like a, the, not the love or anything, but just the. Like drawn the, to her yeah, or something. Yeah, because yeah, it seemed like she sense. was, like they were seeking her out on purpose. Like why just her? It wasn't mm-hmm. like. You know, oh, she's just part of the. T- it wasn't like they were grouping her up with everyone else in town that they were just out to, out to kill. She was singled out, and it just made me. It's like, well, okay, is she meant to be a vessel for someone too. Um, was she supposed to serve some type of purpose as to why Chris purposely went out for um, her? Um, so I don't know. Just it was a question that I had. Well, it seems like but, at this point too, like I think they have all the the risen vessels, but they can keep bringing people back. I know. Aren't so they out of out of coffins or something by yeah, now? Because the only one that should be left is the the prophet girl, right? But, but maybe it's just kind of like you know they're like, oh well, you get a vessel and you get a vessel, <laughs> you and you and you and you. <laughs> <laughs> Look under your seats. Everyone gets a vessel. I know. I don't know if it, I thought it was like a one coffin, one person thing. You got in the coffin, you took over the or that person. Um, you know, took you over and then that was it? Or do you just keep dipping people in the slime and it just, it's, it's reusable? I don't know. Um, didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I don't know, maybe we'll find out uh, more about that. Um, and then in the finale, that was all my notes. I didn't have any Easter eggs because there's no true, true Easter eggs. Um, it's just a lot of references, which we've already talked a lot about. Um, but if anyone has any others, um, we may have missed, let me know. Um, so if that wraps up our top five and our notes, I think that um, leaves us in a really good place. We are ready now for one of our favorite parts of the podcast, and that's letters from The Laughing Place, our listener feedback portion. So 
First one that we have is from our good friend, Doug Fick. He says, episode eight gave me some Walking Dead episode one feels in the hospital and a big nod to the Nadia. Girl, you is fierce. And so is Ace giving Annie placebos? Where did he get them? And the vessel is not Annie, but Joy. However, Ace, you fucked. Sorry, you fudged with Annie once and look what scooped you. <laughs> and double syringes to the eyes. That dude had not one, but two axes to the head. What a week he's having. Talk about bad luck. She's going to find uh, her daughter's sister and best you beware. Fierce woman portrayals here. Episode nine kind of turned into an action movie for me. Bombs, guns, shootouts. Is this Die Hard? And by the way, reanimated French settlers can't shoot for shit. <laughs> well, I mean, they were used to those old, you know, muskets and whatnot. So right, that's true. Um, I like that Pop was contemplating immortality, but but decided no. Oops, better check them batteries. Can't wait for the finale. But see, I think he, like you said, he changed those batteries, so I think he is still contemplating that immortality. I think he's got something uh, on his mind, and uh, I can't wait to see what it is because I think Pop is one uh, clever fella. So, so our next one comes from Laura Willie Swink. So, man, this season of Castle Rock is barreling through like a freight train through a town full of Satanist French cult zombies. <laughs> What an amazing! That sounds like a great title for an album. We need to absolutely. Write that down. Yep. Uh, what an amazing couple of episodes and three cheers for Tim Robbins. It must have been those onions I was chopping because the screen was getting all wet and blurry. Poor mm-hmm. Pop Marrow can't even make peace with his kids before he left this world. I'm thinking Nadia is going to regret that, but I don't think she's going to have to wait very long to try to reconcile with him. I'm thinking we'll soon see the second coming of Pop Marrow. I am also sure that him injecting himself with one of those not one of Nadia's needles is also part of his plan to take out the cult. What I want to really know is why Annie, Nadia, Abdi, and Chance couldn't hear the schism. Come on, Castle Rock, don't leave us hanging this time. Top notch season two so far. Let's hope this stick the landing. I hope so. We have the same hopes, Laura. That was great feedback. <clears throat> Next one is from Lindsay Schlicht. She says, first, sorry so long. Um, She goes on, episode eight. So Nadia continues to be a badass. Did she really just strangle Chris with her stethoscope? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. I know. Yeah. I tried to hear your heartbeat with this death trap. Yeah. She at least got him to pass out. Enough of a sleeper hold anyway to make him pass out. But yeah, she certainly did. Um, she goes on, but I have to say, if I ever roll up to an empty hospital in the middle of an empty town with all the phone lines down, I am in the car and out. Maybe Walking Dead has made me paranoid, but I'm definitely not hanging around like Nadia chose to do. Good point. Um, I guess Annie's particular brand of crazy can be useful in saving Joy. Maybe she'll take the entire group out. Joy as the possible vessel for Amity would be a devastating end to the season. Watching her wander off in the group under their spell was not fun. I hope Annie can find a way to save her in the finale, but I could see losing Joy as being what finally sends Annie into the Annie we all know from the movie. Oh, good point. Um, She goes on episode nine. There were good moments of this episode for sure, but honestly, it fell a bit flat for me. I was bored through parts, which surprised me after such a strong uh, season. The second Annie walked into the room with the guy on the bed, I was like, oh shit, here we go. She's going to hobble him. When she picked up that sledgehammer, I was sure. And then nope, just a whole other level of nuts. Wow. Syringes to the eyeballs. Maybe worse than the ice cream scoop. The last 10 minutes were exciting. <laughs> Loved watching the group be badasses. Hated seeing Pop go out like he did. I guess now he'll be the one of the freaks. With Chance being alive, I'm wondering if the finale will have a scene between her and Joy. Can't believe we have one episode left. 
<sighs> you and me both. Okay. Thank you, Lindsay. That was awesome, as always. So we also have a voicemail from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hello, Strange Indeed. This is Steve. This is for Castle Rock episodes eight and nine. Uh, eight was kind of short. Nine was a little bit longer. So it was nice. To, I think it was like 30 minutes, 30-something minutes for eight and 50-something minutes for nine. But uh, Ace uh, is really regretting uh, taking Annie's pills away from her because she kind of turned into Terminator, Terminator Annie. <laughs> and uh, so did Nadia there. Man, I mean, the whole physicians do no harm thing. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, these characters are really good. Uh, they've got some uh, some skills. Uh, it looks like, and um, I just really like that um, the setup we had going from from eight to nine was really good. And, and you know, Annie and Joy making it out of the house just to see that whole crowd of people out there, and then Joy uh, joining them. And uh, uh, did we see Joy at all in episode nine? I don't. I don't think so. I, I think it was all them hold up in the house and then them getting away. So um, that was uh, that was kind of interesting. And the people killing anyone who didn't get caught up, uh, didn't get enthralled by the sound, by the statue. Um, I, is that a callback to, it seems to me that there was something like that, similar to that in a Stephen King story of, of that. Um, how old is Chance? I know they said that she was emancipated, from her family, but it, it seems a little strange. Pop just giving her a gun, and uh, I loved when they were asking Annie how she made it out of the house, and uh, or how she made it to the house, and and uh, or how she made it out. And she said, "Well, I killed a few people." And they're like, "Well, how did you make it here?" And she's like, "I killed a few more people." So I thought, um, <laughs> and then uh, then Annie claiming, "I'm as reasonable as they come." And of course, the the ending, him uh, ace shooting Pop. So I assume we're going to see Pop again in a, a different with someone else in his body, and uh, find out why those letters were so important. All right, can't wait to hear you guys' thought. Talk to you later. Uh, awesome, great, great, great call. Great call, Steve. I always enjoy what you have to say. Yeah, <laughs> didn't talk about that too much except for because we talked more about what Annie was going to do or what we thought Annie was going to do to Jamal but I love that whole speech and she's like you know I'm as reasonable as they come she just <laughs> she just nails this damn character oh, Lucy yes, Kaplan's just fantastic and um that whole speech was just to me just perfection um and and I really enjoyed it I, I wish I had the quotes here in front of me but um that was really great. So I'm glad that you, you brought that back up, Steve, because it was really, really great and worth mentioning. And thank you, everyone, um, for contributing feedback and still along the ride uh, with us for Castle Rock. We're having a hell of a time with it and really enjoy um, everyone's input. So thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right. So next week, we'll be covering the 10th and final episode of Castle Rock <sighs> Season 2 titled Clean. So the description, oh, this sounds kind of like a, a previous show we watched. The battle for Castle Rock <laughs> reaches its conclusion. But even after the dust settles, Annie still has one last thing she needs to do. I worry. You know, they talked so much uh, when Annie kept hallucinating with her mother. Um, she she must be clean, um, clean, clean. Um, you know mm. what you have to do. And, and it was all about killing Joy. And so yeah. that really, I don't know, not having uh, warm and fuzzies. Uh, feelings on this one um, 
Sean. I don't know. Um, well, we are really excited for you guys to travel to Salem's lot with us. And while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at strange Cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger cast. You can check us on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. So go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great podcasts on Apple Podcast. Like House Podcastica, currently yeah. covering The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Oh my gosh, uh, new episode came out today. Two episodes behind. I got to get caught up. Oh, Sean, yeah. yes, you must. It's so I good. I want to be caught up because this week coming up, we've got Star Wars. <gasps> Yeah, and they're supposed to, um, they're kind of changing, like the new episode aired today, and then next week is going to be, I think, an episode on Wednesday. Oh, so the last and then episode. Another, and then another oh. episode on Friday. So wow. there's two episodes next week, and I think they scheduled that because they're having a special like preview or special something to do with the new Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. So, because that comes out um, next Friday, which yes, I have my tickets for. I am there, people. I'm absolutely obsessed and I'm super excited. So, yeah, check out House Podcastica, Jason's uh, Rich and Chris um, doing their coverage of The Mandalorian um, every week, which is absolutely fantastic. Those guys are doing an amazing job. I got to guess last week, which is so much fun. The boys let say, me play think, with uh, the toys. There was a little bit of a guest <laughs> host that I started listening to, and I'm like, wait a second. I haven't watched this episode yet. Hit pause. <laughs> No, I didn't even tell anybody like, oh, by the way, I'm doing that. It was kind of just a, oh, yeah, we're just going to do this um, kind of thing. So it was super fun. The boys let me play with their toys. Um, They let the girl in the clubhouse. And that was super (laughs) fun because I'm super nuts over Star Wars. But yeah, check them out. They're doing a really great job. Um, And of course, because we love great podcasts around here, we have to make sure that we always check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. What's in store this week? Oh, if you love Christmas, we are going to pitch some of our own Christmas movies. So, oh boy, uh, I do like an animation focused movie pitch. I do a horror movie pitch, which I've really liked. I do a Ooh. Christmas Santa saves Christmas movie pitch. So, a lot of fun, get you in the Christmas spirit. So, check that out. Yeah, I could use something to help get me in the Christmas spirit. So, that sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 112, Dirty and Kavat Impator. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And at Showtime RC is strange indeed.